Amen. You may be seated. Watch the sea, good night. 
Oh! 
ago I attended a youth workers conference where a speaker made a comment uh, that has stuck with me all these years. He got up in front of all of these uh, ministry workers and he made this comment, comment, don't study the word of God. Don't study the word of God. Study the God of the word. Don't study the Word of God, study the God of the world. And there's a world of difference between the two. You see, we can study the Word of God and still not know God. We might know facts, we might know figures, we might know all kinds of information, but still have no personal relationship and knowledge and not know God. Beloved, when we study, we should study the God of the Word. We come to the Word of God, we come to the Bible to know more about God, yes, but... Truly, to know God. Some of you may have been taken back when you looked at this morning's sermon title in the bulletin. Don't study the Word of God. I wonder about those who get that mailed to them, what they'll think this week when they get it and say, what's going on over at Red Hill? Maybe they'll get the CD or or tune into the podcast and find out. The Bible is the revelation of God. Now, we can learn something about God by just stepping outside and looking at His creation. We can learn about God. Psalm 19.1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows His handiwork. So we look out, we can know lots of things about our Creator by looking around. He must be a wise one. He, he's a God of order. He must be an awesome being to be able to do this. People can look around and see that. But listen, we can only know so much through natural revelation, the creation, what it reveals to us. And that is not enough. When we look around to see all that. You see, if we can only know what God has told us about Himself in His Word, as He further reveals Himself to us, and He's done that through the Bible, the Word of God, the inerrant, inspired Word of God. So when you come to the Bible, don't come to it just looking for facts and figures and and to study it. You're coming to study the God of the Word. And today we want to do that as we spend a few minutes together looking at the Word of God and the God of the Word. Now listen, a couple of weeks ago in our Wednesday night Bible study, uh, we as a group of adults, we walked through a passage of Scripture together. Uh, I think it was just one verse we covered. We went through the technique and some methods of learning God's Word. And in the process of that, I shared very briefly something called the four M's 
of Bible study, the four M's of Bible study. I gave that to them and they gave it to them briefly. We went on to cover some more material. But I want to revisit that today as an entire church and talk to you about the four M's of Bible study. Now, I learned this years ago. It's not original with me, at least not most of it. Uh, I have adapted it. I have changed it. This is my version. I tried to improve it, I hope. But the four M's of Bible study, I'll give it to you real quickly. First of all, when you're looking at God's Word, as you're reading, you want to mark it. Mark it. If you're reading a passage that the Lord uses a verse or a set of verses to speak to your heart, you want to mark them. Now, if you're comfortable writing in your Bible, you can do that. Uh, you can underline it. There's so many different ways. You can put an asterisk beside it, a star beside it. You can use a dry highlighter pencil and, and, and put a highlight in there. In some way, mark it. Uh, some people have developed very technical and, and, and developed systems of coding their Bible using colors representing certain things and, and different shapes to represent different truths. And I'll be honest with you, I couldn't keep up with all that probably. And so here's what it is. Whatever works for you, Use it. Mark it however it is. And the reason why you want to mark it is so you can find it again. If you're reading two or three chapters a day, maybe you're reading through God's Word, uh, and you, one verse speaks out to you, and it was two days ago, uh, it's going to be pretty difficult, perhaps, to go back and find that passage again. So just mark it. If you don't like writing in your Bible, if you feel like you're not allowed to, maybe, maybe mom popped you when you did that growing up and you've never been able to do that again, mark it some other way. Write it on a card. Write it in a notebook. Some way, the idea is to capture that verse of Scripture. Secondly, memorize it. Uh-oh. I know, I know. Your memory's not what it used to be. But let me ask you something. If I'm in an agreement with you today that for every verse of Scripture you memorize, word perfect, I would pay you a thousand dollars a verse. For every verse. How many of you could memorize Scripture and bring back some verses next week? Yeah. Now, I didn't make that agreement. But it's amazing the motivation behind that, isn't it? When you want to memorize something, you can memorize something. But I've got something better to tell you. You know what? The Word of God is worth more than a thousand dollars a verse. In fact, listen to what God says about His own Word in Psalm 19, verses 8 through 10. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eye, the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold, sweeter also than honey, and the honey comb. We should memorize God's Word. We do Bible memory here. Some of our teachers probably do it in Sunday school, I'm assuming. I know we do it on Wednesday nights. But Bible memory is not just for kids. And it's not just for teenagers. It's for all of us. Psalm 119.11 says, Your Word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. To hide God's Word in your heart, to memorize it. So how do you do that? Well, it's real simple in all reality. You keep that verse before you throughout a week or a month or whatever. You write it on a little card, an index card, a business card, whatever. You keep it with you. You, you type it on your cell phone. You, you spend a lot of time on the cell phone. Have that verse there on the cell phone as you look at your screen. And you want to work to memorize that verse word perfect. Why word perfect? Because every word is important. It's the inspired word of God. Every jot, every tittle. And you use that time you have throughout the week. Most of us, when you go to the doctor, 
They don't say, oh, we're so glad you're here. Let's go right in. Right? Unless you really are somebody, I guess, or you know somebody. Usually it's what? Have a seat. We'll be right with you. When you're waiting in line at Walmart, you know, they have 18,000 lanes and they have three of them open. Right? When you're waiting in line at Walmart, you can pull up that card or pull up that cell phone and look at God's Word. Better than what the magazine's there on the shelf. Phrase by phrase, word by word, slowly but surely. It doesn't matter how long it takes. You're hiding God's Word in your heart. So you mark that verse. You memorize that verse. The third thing you do now is you meditate on it. You meditate on it. Now when I say meditation or meditating, it's not this... Uh, It's not a weird Middle Eastern or uh, New Age practice I'm talking about here. When I talk about meditating on Scripture, what I mean is turning it over in your thoughts. Turning it over in your mind. Thinking about it. Just as a cow chews the cud. We're in the country, right? We understand what that means. Just as a cow chews the cud, you're chewing on, you're bringing it up again in your mind. And you're thinking about, thinking deeply about God's Word. You say, does the Bible teach that? Listen, Joshua 1.8. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do all according to all that's written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have Good success. Psalm 1-2. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. It's amazing how God's word will open up to you in new ways when you spend time thinking about it. And we listed this after memorization. Because obviously when you start getting that verse in your mind, you've got it with you, you can start thinking about it. But what I find is, is I'm memorizing And I'm thinking about the different words and the verse itself. Things begin to open up. And I begin thinking about it as I'm memorizing it. Do you see the beauty of all this? When you have it memorized, you have it with you at all times. You can think about it as you drive. We don't recommend reading your Bible as you drive down the road. That's not a good idea. But you can think about a verse that you've hidden in your heart. You have it with you as you work. And so as you're working at certain tasks, at least, you can be thinking about God's Word. As you bathe and groom, you can think about God's Word. And so at all times, you can just bring up God's Word, and you know what happens? This meditation time turns into a time of praise and worship. Because God begins to show you some things about Himself, and as He does that, you can't help but stop and say, Thank you, Lord. Praise Your name, Lord. You just can't help it. So, so be prepared as you, as you memorize, as you meditate, to, to spend time in worship and praise. Just to say, Lord, thank you for teaching that to me. So you mark it, you memorize it, you meditate on it. And then finally, here's where I changed it, hopefully improved it. You maximize it. You maximize it. What does maximize mean? It means to make as large or great as possible to make the best use of. To make as large or as great as possible to make the best use of. And so if I'm going to make the best use of Scripture, you know what I'm going to do first of all? I'm going to obey it. I'm going to live it out. I'm going to practice what it says. And if if I'm going to make it as large as possible, I'm going to maximize it. You know what I've got to do? I've got to share it with others. Do you really want to grow in your knowledge of God's Word? 
Then begin sharing with others what you're learning. See, God doesn't just give all this information to us for just for us. And, and yes, it is for us. But He wants us to share it with others. He wants us to be out heralding His truth. By the way, if you really want to grow in your knowledge of God and His Word, let me sign you up to teach a Sunday school class. Now, Sunday school teachers, if you, you can testify to that. That forces you to get into God's Word and to learn. Why? Because there's coming a day, very soon, where you're going to stand in front of a class and teach that material. And so you pray about that if God may have called you to teach. You'll be stretched to grow them. Now, we're not just marking verses and memorizing them and even thinking about them just to fill time. We want to maximize them. Why? We want to know God better. We want to obey them. We want to practice what He's telling us to do. We want to share with others so they can know God. Now, as an example of how all this works, I want to walk you through this process. I want to share with you this morning... For just a few minutes, a verse that I learned recently. And I want to walk you through the four steps. We'll walk through the first three very quickly. And we'll spend the majority of our time on step four. We maximize it. We're going to be looking today, if you want to open your Bibles, to Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. One verse of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9. Now I normally preach from the New King James Version. But today, I'm going to, if it's alright with you, give this verse to you in the Holman Christian Standard Bible version. Why? Because that's how I memorized it. And to fully tell you how we walk through the steps, I've got to walk through the steps of the verse that, as I memorized it. So I memorized Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. And so I know we have different translations here, but let me give it to you the Holman Christian. It says, Know that Yahweh, your God, is God, the faithful God, who keeps His gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love Him and keep His commands. Let me walk you through the four steps real quickly. First of all, I marked it. Now, by the way, how did I choose that particular verse? Out of all the verses in the Bible, why Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9? Well, I'll be honest, I chose it in a real spiritual way. I downloaded a new Bible memory app on my iPhone and the first suggested verse that popped up, you know what it was? Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 9. And to be honest with you, I almost walked away from it. I looked at that and said, I don't think I want to memorize that verse. But I said, you know what, I'm going to memorize that verse. And so I started working on it. And I'm glad I did. So how did I mark it? Well, I, of course, had an app to use. You don't have to have an app. You can have your Bible, a card, or whatever. But we're high tech now. I had an app. And uh, my app let me put it on my lock screen, if you know what that means. So every time, I don't, I don't usually wear a watch except on Sundays. And sometimes when I go visiting, I use my phone. I don't use the phone as much visiting because you can't be as discreet. <laughs> I shouldn't tell all my secrets, should I? <laughs> But I, I, I use the phone, and, and so on my lot, when I want to know what time it is all during the week, I'll pull out my phone and, and punch up there, and right there in front of me is not only the, the clock, but it's also that verse. And so all throughout the week, I've got it there. I've used cards, whatever. And what you do is you mark it down. And so I did that. I, I've been looking at that verse, Deuteronomy 7, 9, that I memorized. I just started working on it. You say, how do you memorize it, preacher? Well, you take it one part at a time. Learn one part one day, another part the next day. Keep going. So maybe you start with that verse. You say, know that Yahweh. Know that Yahweh. Know that Yahweh. 
By the way, you want to always have that reference at the beginning. I, I suggest that in the reference at the beginning and the end. Why? I have a hard time remembering the references where the, address, where the verse lives. It's addressed. Deuteronomy 7, 9. Know that Yahweh. Know that Yahweh. And you can emphasize different words. Know that Yahweh. Know that Yahweh. Know that Yahweh. And you just work on it. And it helps you. Whatever it works. Remember a verse I memorized years ago. Sometimes I'll take little phrases or whatever and just work on that. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is profitable for Dr. C.I. So what in the world is Dr. C.I.? Doctrine, reproof, instruction, and correction, right? And correction. Dr. C.I. So whatever works for you, just start working on it. And then I begin to meditate on it. And you begin to think about it. This is where it really gets exciting. As you begin to take a verse of scripture, you've memorized, you begin to chew on it. And the verse that I almost bypassed began to open up and teach me some things, some wonderful things about my God and your God. And then we want to move on to maximize them. And to do this, I want to practice what I've learned. And I want to share what I've learned with others. And so what am I doing today? I'm maximizing this verse. I want to make it as great and as large as possible. I want to share with you what I've learned. Notice the first word is no. Now, these are things that Moses told Israel that God wanted them to know. And God wants us to know these things as well. To know something is to have a hold of it. To have it nailed down. To know, to truly understand and know that these things are true. And, and so he wants us to know about God, our God. Why? We study the Word of God to know what? To know the God of the Word. And so let me share with you real quickly this morning some of the thoughts and meditations that God brought to my mind as I studied. I'm going to give you eight of them real quickly. First of all, we know... That we serve a God who is knowable. We serve a God who is knowable. Notice what it says. Know that Yahweh, your translation may have, know that the Lord, your God. Know that Yahweh, your God. It says there, your God. Now, He's my God. I hope you can say today, He's my God. Say, how can you know that, preacher? You know that when you know that His Son, the Lord Jesus, is your Savior. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's none that doeth good, no, not one. All of our righteousness are as filthy rags. But God in love sent His only begotten Son to live a perfect sinless life. To voluntarily go to that cross and lay down His life and shed His precious blood. To be buried in the tomb and then three days later to rise victorious. The Bible says, if you'll call upon Him, He will save you. If you turn from your sin to the Savior, He will give you forgiveness of sin, eternal life, a home in heaven. If you've never done that today, friend, I want to invite you today to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. To have your sin forgiven. To know that you're bound for heaven. You're bound for glory. To have Him as your Lord and Savior. I'm so thankful that I thought about that. To know that know that Yahweh, your God. And know that He is knowable. He is my God. He's not just a force. He's not just a power. He's not just something out there that we can't touch or feel that's unknowable. No, He is someone we can know. Why? Because He's revealed Himself to us through His Word. And He desires to have a relationship with us. He desires to be our God. He's a God. We know that He's knowable. He can, we can know Him. 
in a personal relationship. Know that Yahweh, your God, is God. See, we serve the only God. The only God. He is God. He's God alone. There's no other God. He's not one of many gods. He is God alone. And because He is God, I'm accountable to Him. He deserves all my allegiance. He deserves my worship. He deserves my very life itself. He is the only God. Know that Yahweh, your God, He's knowable, is God, the only God. But the third thing we learn is that we serve a God who is faithful. We serve a faithful God. Know that Yahweh, your God, is God, the faithful God. He's faithful. I don't know about you, but I'm certainly glad to know that my God is faithful. He's not fickle. He's not changeable. He's not in a good mood today and a bad mood tomorrow. I don't have to wonder what He's going to be like. He's faithful day in and day out. I'm so glad to know that I have a God who's faithful. I don't have to worry about Him giving up on me. Hallelujah. Philippians 1.6 says, Being confident of this very thing, that He who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He is faithful. He's not going to give up on us. He's going to bring us. He's going to mold us and shape us and form us to be like His Son and bring us to be with Him forever. We serve a faithful God. But as I kept thinking about this, know that Yahweh, your God, is God. The faithful God who keeps His gracious covenant loyalty. We serve a gracious God. How thankful I am to know that I serve a God who is kind, who is gracious, who is merciful. I looked up the word gracious in just a regular English dictionary. Here's what it said. Courteous, kind, pleasant, especially towards someone of lower social status. I thought, boy, that summarizes, doesn't it? How low I am. I, I, I'm not even as good as dirt. In all honesty, I was a rebel. I was fleeing from God. A sinner. Wicked. And yet God in His gracious mercy sent Jesus Christ because He loved me so much. We serve a gracious God, beloved. And by the way, He wants us to be a gracious people. A kind people. A pleasant people. A merciful people. So I kept thinking, it says, He keeps His gracious covenant loyalty. We serve a promise-keeping God. Did you notice that? He made covenants with Israel in the Old Testament, but God has made promises to you and to me. And He keeps His promises. Let me share a couple that came to mind. How about this one? I will never leave you nor forsake you. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. That's just a couple of promises He's made. And we serve a God that keeps His promises. He keeps them. Hallelujah. Let's keep going. It says He keeps His gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations. I thought about it. We serve an eternal God. An eternal God. Notice it says a thousand generations. Not just a thousand years. And by the way, nobody's ever lived a thousand years. The oldest man, Methuselah, was, remember it serves correct, 969 years old and he died. Can you imagine? Nobody's made it to a thousand. 
We can't even imagine a thousand years. But it doesn't say a thousand years. It says, what, a thousand generations. Now, only one who is above time, not bound by time, and, 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 and not subject to time, could say such a thing. Our God is eternal. That is, no, yet, no beginning, no ending, forever. See, we're regretting about yesterday. We're worried about tomorrow. But our God sees both at the same time. In fact, He sees all of our days at the same time. He, he saw them and knew them before we even existed. He, he learns nothing, but knows everything. You might be thinking, a preacher, I, I don't understand that. Exactly, He's God. If we could understand everything about Him, we would be God. But He's God. He's so great and so far above us to realize that a thousand years are but a day to Him. And a day is a thousand years. Yet we can't even fathom a thousand years hardly. He's eternal. No beginning, no ending. He's God. See, I I talked about how meditation leads you to praise and, and worship. Oh God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. But let me share just one or two more. We serve a loving God. Notice it says that He keeps His gracious covenant loyalty for a thousand generations with those who love Him. We serve a loving God. You say, well, preacher, that verse talks about us loving Him. You're right. So how do we know He's a loving God? Well, we compare Scripture with Scripture. And Scripture tells us in 1 John chapter 4, verse 19, these words, we love Him because... He first loved us. The only reason we can love Him today is because He first loved us. We serve a loving God. How great is His love. But then number eight. I told you we're going to walk through these quickly. Who keeps His gracious covenant loyalty with a thousand generations. With those who love Him. And keep His command. We serve a God who guides us. A God who guides us. Now part of His love is giving commands. Now He is God. He's God alone. He has all authority. And the commands are not meant to steal our joy and to make our lives miserable. He guides us and commands us because He loves us and He has our best interest at heart. His commands are loving. He wants the very best for us. He seeks to protect us. He lays down boundaries for our protection. Just as you do. When you tell your child not to play in the road, you're not seeking to make them miserable. You're not seeking to be a killjoy, are you? You want them well. You want them safe. You want them happy. You want them healthy. You want them protected. And so you put boundaries in their lives. Don't play with knives. Don't play in the road. Don't take candy from strangers. Whatever the command might be. Not because you don't love them. Not because you want to be miserable. But because you do love them. And if we do that as flawed, sinful human beings, how much more does our Heavenly Father, who is perfect, give us commands, give us boundaries, not because He wants to make us miserable, because He wants to give us full joy and protection and health and bring honor and glory to Himself. Now, do you see today how we've done more than just studied the Word of God? We've studied the God of the Word. Do you see the difference? We didn't just learn a bunch of facts and figures and say, well, let's let's define that in the Hebrew. Nothing wrong with that, but we went beyond that, didn't we? We said, "What, what about the God of the Word? You see how these four marks help us? 
then they're not inspired, they're not commanded in God's Word, but they're a helpful tool if you want to use them. Maybe you've got another tool that works for you. That's great. But the idea is this. By spending some time in God's Word to know God changes your life. By marking it and memorizing it, meditating on it, then maximizing it. But you know what? More than likely, none of what we just accomplished here today would have happened if I hadn't started back at the very beginning with just simply marking it. Do you see the difference? And so you've got to start. So you say, well, I don't know if I can... Well, just start. Just come to the Word of God as you're reading your passage. Maybe you use the, the, the yearly reading guide we give out as it takes you to the Bible. Maybe you use the open windows devotion. You read a passage. Or maybe you read your Sunday school lesson. Just take that first step and just mark it. Maybe even pray, God, lead me to a verse you want me to memorize. And then work on it. But you've got to start. Now, what about you? Be honest today. Don't answer loud. How well do you know God? I didn't ask you how well you knew God's Word. How well do you know God? Then you're going to have to know God's Word to know God fully. Because He reveals Himself through it. But how well do you know God? We can study and study and study, and yet still not know God as we ought. Because our attention maybe is on facts and figures, and that's fine. But understand this, we come to the Word not just to know the Word, but to know the God of the Word. And so maybe today, God is challenging you to get in His Word so you can know Him better. Perhaps it's time you started studying the God of the Word for yourself. Father, it is with a grateful heart that we bow in Your presence today. I've done my best, Lord, just to show and share with these people here, Your children, what You're teaching me. What You've taught me in days gone by. And Father, I pray that You would help all of us to be challenged today to, to get into Your Word, not just to know words, but to know You. To understand You, that You're gracious, You're faithful, You're eternal. You're loving. All of these wonderful things. Thank you, God, that we can know you. We know that's only because of your revelation of yourself to us. We'd be lost as we could be if you just placed us here and didn't reveal yourself to us. So I thank you for that. Now I pray as we close this worship service today. If anybody here does not know you at all. They've never repented of their sin and placed their faith in Christ. I pray. But during this closing hymn, you would bring them to yourself. And then I pray that you would challenge your children, as we've been challenged from your word today, to get into the word, to get to know you better. Bless this invitation, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Our closing hymn is number 325, Whiter Than Snow. If you're here today, you've never been saved, you don't know for certain you're on your way to heaven. I want to ask you this as we're singing today. Come meet me here at the front. I'll be down here. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. I'm just going to place you with someone who loves Jesus and loves you. They'll take you to the side and share Christ with you. Maybe you're a child of God already and God has burdened your heart about something. Come give that to Him today at the altar and leave it here. I want to challenge you to be in God's words so you can know God better. 325, let's stand and sing Whiter Than Snow.